episode of the Mindful Self-Care Podcast. I have another interview for you today. Today I'm talking with Kim Cook. Kim is the Director of Academic Center for Excellence and Success at Emporia State University. She has spent her career working as a student success professional in higher education. She has cats, loves plants, and is a group fitness instructor. Some of her favorite self-care activities include cooking, gardening, and trying new restaurants. I really enjoyed this conversation with Kim. We talked about the role social media can play in our self-care. We talked about different changes within self-care at different stages of life. It's just a really great conversation. I cannot wait for you to listen to it and make sure you connect with me and Kim letting us know what you think of the episode. Enjoy. Hi, Kim. Thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for inviting me on, Chelsea. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to chat. We haven't chatted for years and I'm so excited to like catch up and be able to learn more about what you're doing with self-care. Yeah. I mean, I've done the Facebook stalking. We're Facebook friends. I know we're Facebook friends. We get to see the Facebook stuff. Yeah. We haven't been able to like sit and chat for a long time. Yes. It'd be fun. So Kim, tell our lovely listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do and what self-care means to you. Um, my name is Kim Cook. I am the director for a center at Emporia State University called the Academic Center for Excellence and Success, which is the primary learning center. Uh, we offer uh, tutoring services, student success coaching services. I, I also run our student accessibility and support services program. So we're the program that helps to provide accommodations for students with disabilities. Um, and a little bit about me. I'm quirky. Which is good. If you like Which quirky. Is good. Yeah, I'm quirky. So it's, 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 yeah, being quirky is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of things. I'm, I'm really eclectic in my tastes. I like to be outside. I like to be inside. I like to lay on my face. I like to do fitness. I, I, it, it's, it's really kind of as the mood strikes me kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of leading that into self care, I do a lot for myself for self care, which, self-care is hard, right? Like it's, it's a difficult thing. So to me, it's finding those moments in life where you can be in a space with yourself to do whatever it is you need to do, whether that's calm down or whether, whether that's reevaluate your life, whether that's just have five moments of quiet from my one-year-old tyrant who rules the house. Um, (laughs) you know, there's, there's a lot of things throughout the day that can cause stress or anxiety or, you know, just the, those kind of feelings of being overwhelmed, I think is kind of a big word we hear particularly on college campuses right now is, is that word overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and trying to find those moments of peace or space where you can take all of that and just unpack it. I love that you said you do lots of different things because I think that we all need different activities at different times. Sometimes you do just need to lie on your face on the couch and be like, I need a break. I need to pause. I just need to lie here for a little bit. And then sometimes you need to go kick your own butt in a workout. Yeah. Like sometimes you you need, you need to be able to do both and it can be hard to determine which of those different things that you need. Like, do you need to go yeah. outside? Do you need to be inside? Do you need to be quiet? Do you just need to get through this next day or is your life heading down a place where you need to reevaluate everything? Yeah. Do you have a way that you kind of check in with yourself to see what you need? Do you have advice for people that are like, I just don't know what I want right now. I don't know what I need. I mean, I can give the advice that I give to my students, which it's, it's developing self-awareness, right? Being aware in, in, and you've done Pilates training. So you're, mm-hmm. you're aware of the phrase proprioception, right? Being aware oh, of your yeah. body in, in a space and how your body moves within that space. I think it's the same kind of mentally, like, where are you in this moment and, and what's going on with you in this moment? And something's off. We know something's off, but all of that revolves around that concept of self-awareness, being aware of yourself and how you're feeling and where your emotions are at and where your headspace is and where you're at in that headspace. <laughs> and yes. I, so the advice I give my students is just take a moment to think about, go through your day, go through it step by step. So you know, what happened to you from the time you woke up to where you're at right now that has caused you to get to this point where you feel like you need to to stop and kind of take a pause. 
I think that's good. So I know you've kind of got some mind body modalities fitness wise and mm-hmm. under your tool belt. Um, we both taught Pio together. Uh, we kind of have some understanding of yoga and Pilates. What are some ways that you would tell students to start getting that self-awareness? Like what activities I'm always a big fan of like telling people like sit down and journal, like journal, no judgment, put it on paper, type it out. Um, are there any other activities that kind of you found helpful for people who are like, I have no idea how to become aware of myself because I've just been going, 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 doing the things I thought I was supposed to do. And now you're like, yeah, listen to you. And you're like, what, how how do I do that? How do you help people start that self-awareness process? Yeah. So there's a lot of ways you can do it and it kind of depends on the person. So I I know a lot of people who are super into horoscopes. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't put a lot of stock in horoscopes, but if I'm, I I say I don't put a lot of stock in horoscopes. I know I'm a Pisces. Um, (laughs) Me too. (laughs) And so, you know, I, but I, I really don't match the description of a Pisces personality wise. So I, like I said, I don't put a lot of stock in it, but I, I know people who are really into that. And the reason they're into it is because they feel like that jives with their depiction of themselves and, and how they view themselves in the world. So that's, you know, horoscopes. If that helps you sit down and evaluate how you think and how you feel and, you know, how you react to other people, that's a great way to do that. I, the, the things I tend to like are things like personality tests. There's a really like great personality one. tests too. <laughs> yeah. I love personality tests. There's a really great one. Uh, well, there's, there's several really great ones. I've done several. I've done true colors. I've done, uh, oh my gosh, I can't remember what the other color one's called. It's like color code or something like that. And and my favorite is is 16 personalities, which is a Myers-Briggs based mm-hmm. personality test. Um, and, and those are really useful to a point, right? Obviously we don't want to put ourselves into a box. We don't want to say like, I am this, and this is how I act within the world. But going through a, a personality inventory like that and answering those questions does tend to give you a little bit more of an empirical look at yourself, and how you interact with the world. So, for example, uh, pretty consistently for the last 10 years, I've been an INTJ-A on the 16 personalities, which is, um, they classify as the architect. So, I'm a really introverted, intuitive, um, analytical-minded person, which means I like problems. I get really bored when there's no problems to solve. And, and I'm also that dash A is important because it means assertive. So, a lot of people in the world view me and think, oh, my gosh, Kim, you're an extrovert because my personality is so big and it's, it tends to be out there, but that's because I work in a, a situation. I'm a director of a program. So I, I have to be out there. I'm the person kind of running the ship in some ways. And what they don't see is when I get home at night and I just, I just go to my bedroom and I don't, I, I do want to see my daughter. I do want to see my partner, but I, I shut the door and I just give myself kind of 10 minutes mm-hmm. in the bathroom, just doing whatever I feel like doing in the bathroom, taking a bath, uh, just letting the water run. And I give myself that time to just kind of go from work Kim to at home Kim, mm-hmm. because I need to go from that extroverted personality to that introverted personality. But these are all really great tools that you can use to think about what you need in those moments when you're not doing so well. Um, and there's tons of them out there. You can do a search for personality free personality tests online. Those are just some that I like the, the 16 personalities is just kind of fun because they give you, you know, like the, the celebrities that you share personality mm-hmm. traits with. And that's just kind of cool to go through. But it, in terms of developing self-awareness, getting back to that, it's, it helps you take a look at what being introverted means. And does that really fit you? What being intuitive means? And does that really fit how you kind of interact with other people, how you interact at work. Does the personality type that you got mean that you are really great at problem solving, but perhaps not so much of a big picture person. And does that, is that how you view yourself? And it just, it's, it's a conversation starter for you to have with yourself to think about what do I need when I'm communicating with people? What do I need when I'm communicating about my needs? Um, how do I advocate for others? How do I advocate for myself? You know, those, those questions start to arise as we start thinking about the person we are and where we fit within our, our society and our culture. I love that you brought up personality tests because that's one of the tools that I use for people when they're like, I don't know yeah. myself. I'm like, well, go take a damn personality test and just see if it matches. Like, think yeah. about it critically. As I know, um, I like the Enneagram personality test. And so oh, yeah. when I did that, I found out I was an achiever. And I was reading the descriptions of like, you love to check off things on to-do lists. And I was like, 
Yes. Yes, I do. And so before I was starting to view it as like, oh, this to-do list is becoming really, really stressful. But when I found out that part of the way my brain works enjoys checking things off, I was able to be like, okay, this actually could be a form of self-care for me. I just have to be aware of, is the list actually doable? Because if I make the list too big and I'm someone who just really needs to check everything off, I'm going to cause myself more stress than I need to right. just if I, if I give myself more things to do. And I, I really like that you were saying, like, think about whether the results sit well with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I'm a Pisces. Do I fit the Pisces personality? Not so much. Yeah. And I think that that's okay. And knowing that like, yeah, there's these aspects of these results that I agree with these ones. I'm not so sure about. I also really appreciate that you brought up the difference between being an introvert versus presenting as being an extrovert because I am also an introvert. But when I tell people that they're always like, there's no way you're an introvert. Your entire job is talking to people. I'm like, yeah, I'm well aware. You all don't see me on my days off and on the weekends. Like I am that person that I'm like, oh, we had plans Friday and Saturday. I am. No, I can't do that other thing on Sunday. I just, I can't. You want me to go talk to more people for another day? No, (laughs) my butt's going to be on my couch by myself because I need that time. And I think that knowing that difference, like the way I look at it for me is how you recharge. Yes. Because if, I mean, we all have to interact with people during our day. It doesn't mean that you love it. I mean, so Fridays for me, the day that we're recording this is kind of a catch all, do whatever I need to day. I do a little bit of work. I do some stuff around the house. Sometimes I have appointments and I love podcast interviews. Like this is one of my favorite things to do, but like 30 minutes ago, I was like, okay, we got two this afternoon. (laughs) we can do this. (laughs) It's going to be great. (laughs) And I had to like talk myself into it because part of me was like, you mean I can't just sit in my corner and read my book or do my computer work by myself and not talk to anybody at all, even though I love doing this stuff. And so it's that, I I have self-awareness of that fact of, yes, I love doing this. I just need to suck it up and do it. And once I get going, I'll be totally fine. Cause now I'm like, yes, let's do this all day long. (laughs) Yeah. I, I tell my staff, I say, I love you all. Um, I don't want to hear from you on the weekends. <laughs> I need a break. <laughs> you know, which it's good. It's, yeah, it's good boundary setting too, mm-hmm. which I, I think is another good thing around self-awareness is, is knowing where your boundaries are and being able to communicate those boundaries so that you're not you're not letting people take that mm-hmm. that kind of precious bit of allotted time from you because you need that time to recharge mm-hmm. as an introvert. And yeah, I mean, look, extroverts need time to recharge. They just tend to do it with other people. Yeah, they do it in different ways. Yeah. And so, but making sure that you're doing it as you're an extrovert, as an activity that you actually enjoy versus you're doing something you hate just because you want to spend time with other people, that's probably not the best form of self-care either. Yeah, I mean, I a good example uh, of the boundary setting, right? My, my family, as many of our families, I'm sure are, is it, we don't always get along the best. Uh-huh. And years and years ago, I decided I'm not going to Thanksgiving anymore. I'm, I'm going to do my own thing on Thanksgiving because it's, it's like Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. There's just so much. It's they just, just so much. pack all on there at the beginning of the year and it's exhausting. And I don't want to see those people <laughs> that many times. I love them. They're my family. They make me very tired. And so Thanksgiving kind of became my Friendsgiving and that was when I spent time with friends and that was what I did. And that's what I've done since. I don't think I've done a full Thanksgiving with my family since then. And that was the boundary that I set for my own Mm -hmm. sanity. And that means that the times you are spending with your family, you actually, you're more present. You are more there. You're not like irritated underneath your skin the entire time. And so that interaction is better for you. It's better for them. You get better quality time. And that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it also helps that I'm very comfortable saying no, which I know is not easy for most people. Do you think that comes from kind of your assertive personality? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely think it does. I, it, it's, it was my first word as a child and <laughs> I, I'm not making that up. It was my first word and, and I've kind of not stopped saying it since. But sometimes, you know, the part of part of being healthy and doing that self-care is knowing your boundaries and saying, this is as far as I'm willing to go with this. And I'm going to have to say no beyond that because it's, it's putting me into a point where I'm no longer comfortable. 
I no longer feel emotionally or mentally safe, whatever the case may be. But, but this is the boundary that I'm drawing, like with my staff, right? I don't want to hear mm-hmm. from you on the weekends unless it's an emergency. Um, and here's what constitutes an emergency, right? Like clear communication. Or I like that you added the, this is what an emergency <laughs> yes. actually is. Cause yes. I feel like I've had to do that in some situations too. Of These are the times that it is okay to contact within these windows. Yes. Cause if, I mean, an emergency could mean something very, very different to yeah. you compared to your staff. Well, and I, I mean, I'm now 15 ish years removed from my students. Um, and, and so what a 18, 19, 20 year old constitutes as an emergency is, is not exactly the same thing that I might yeah. consider an emergency. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of that give and take, like, okay, they think this is an emergency. This is what it's, is, is important to them. Is it worth my being available during my off time to them? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, setting those boundaries and making sure that those boundaries are clearly communicated. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's from a, like a director manager standpoint, when you tell your staff those very clear standards of this is an emergency, this isn't, you start to empower them to, okay, anything less than emergency, you got to figure out yourself. Yeah. Or you kind of tell them it's okay for this not to get figured out until Monday because it's not an emergency. No one's going to die. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Lots, lots and lots of those conversations happen with college students. (laughs) I, well, and I think like, I don't know, thinking back to, when I was in college, I mean, everything just feels so intense at that time. Like your schooling is so intense. Your life just feels like it's a make it or break it at like every single moment. So I could see how there'd be a lot more students being like, oh yeah, this is an emergency. And you as an adult who has life experience being like, no, it's not. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But you don't want to invalidate the anxiety or stress that they're under either. So again, the the boundaries are what help with that. Like this is an emergency. This is not an emergency. This is when it's okay to contact me. This is when it's not okay. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, my weekends are super important. (laughs) Yeah. I I bet they're they're great. Weekends are, are very important. Yeah. You mentioned that you have a one-year-old. I do. So how has your self-care, self-care changed from before you were a mom to now being responsible for a tiny human. Oh man. And see that's that's loaded, right? Because I'm a director of a program and mm-hmm. I I think we've I, look, I think we've come a long way. I think we've come a very long way in terms of being a working mother in particularly in particular. Um but it's hard, right? You know, kind of seeing some of my friends who have been stay-at-home parents and and then seeing myself going to work. And I, I took maternity leave for the first two months, which I was I was really lucky that my employer decided to grant me the, the paid leave. There was a little bit of a kerfuffle there, but we got it figured out there. Um, and I had those two months with, with my kiddo and then had to go back to work. And that was really hard. It was harder than I thought it would be. And I I know people tell you this, they tell you this, it's going to be hard, Mm -hmm. but you don't really understand it until you go back and you think, Oh my gosh, I haven't seen my kid all day. And then you come home and you feel like you missed out on so much. So it's, it's hard on that side of things, but also that self-awareness component we were talking about. I know Mm -hmm. myself. And if I had to be home with my kid all day, every day, the little one-year-old tyrant, Uh (laughs) I would be crazy. By the end of it. And, you know, that's not a popular thing to say with people that I need time away from my kid, but it's absolutely true. In order to be a good parent, um, kind of sometimes the time that I spend with my kid needs to be quality and it needs to be time that I can be absolutely present. And if I had to be around all day, every day, I would be so exhausted. I could never do those things. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, I think I think in a lot of ways it's made me value my family time a lot more. I, I took for granted when it was just my partner and I at home uh, that, you know, I would come home, I would see him, we would, you know, eat dinner, we'd have a movie, we'd do, we had all these, these, these space of time to do things. But now my time is limited because I come home, I want to see my kid, I want to see my partner, I want to see my cats, I want to, I want to do those things. That's what I want to do. That's what I, where my time wants to be. And the things that I really, loved before seem to kind of pale in comparison to that quality time with them, whatever it is we're doing. I don't care whether we're eating, whether we're 
sitting downstairs, putting on something fun to watch, whether we're playing a game, whether we're doing something that's like a learning activity. Um, I want to be a hundred percent there for that, which which that's kind of a new, that's new for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's the self-care component of that is realizing that I can be a better parent when I take time away. Mm-hmm. I love how you shared that it's different now than it was, because I think we all need to honor the fact that seasons of life do not all look the exact same. Right. And they're just not meant to. And I really appreciate that you shared your self-awareness of you are not somebody who would enjoy being with your kid 24 seven. Um, and I like asking these questions of parents because I don't have kids. This is not my life experience at this point in time. And I know there's lots of listeners to this podcast who do have kids and I don't want to take away from that experience just because I'm like, I don't know what that's like. And I can guess, but as you were saying, you don't really know until you're in that experience, what it's going to take from you and what your desires and your needs and what self-care is going to look like. And I also really like that you were sharing that family time has turned into your self-care because sometimes we think of self-care as being like, oh, it's time alone to go get a massage or bubble baths. And that that totally can be the case. That can be somebody's self-care, but it can also be that quality intentional time while still giving yourself space to go and do something else for you and your sanity and and just feel fulfilled in a different way. And that counts as self-care. And I'm really, really glad that you shared that and you said that so that more people listening can be like, oh, okay, so this thing that I'm doing is actually for myself, even if it's not stereotypical self-care. Yeah. And and I want to add to that, you know, sometimes the time that I need to take away mm-hmm. from my family, that's when I teach my fitness classes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I'm not working. I'm not being mom. I'm not being partner. I I am Kim, the fitness instructor. And that's a persona that I get to play with for a little while. Mm -hmm. That just kind of takes me away from all of that. So there's, there's also that as well. You know, I think you have to find the things that are just for you and the Mm -hmm. things that are are with the people in your life that you, you really want that time with. Mm -hmm. I think both are equally valid. Yeah. And I think that that's where self-awareness and, broadening what our views on self-care can be come from because I know when I view my self-care now it's taking time for myself it's resting it's exercising it's doing things to support my mental health and my physical health my emotional health and I'm sure there'll be a point in time when those things may still be important but they may not be as high up on the list like right now I'm like I want to read all the books give me all the time to read can I go read in the sunshine yes that's great how many books can I read this year And there might become a time where it's like, okay, well, reading just isn't that important to me. And maybe that's because I just have found a different hobby that I want to spend time with. Or maybe that's because there's a family change. Who who knows? And so I think it's really important to be like, yes, your self-care acts can change. Yeah. Yeah, they totally can. And that, that you can, they can be very different from each other. Yeah. And I I think the other aspect of that, we were talking about personality tests, Mm -hmm. right? Your personality isn't a static thing. Mm -hmm. It's something that depending on your life experiences changes over time. Um, And that's, again, that self-awareness component, being aware of those changes and and how your needs for self-care have changed as well. Mm -hmm. So one thing I want to touch on a little bit is college student self-care. (laughs) Uh, since you work with a lot of college students and I actually recently, I don't think this episode is going to come out for, um, or maybe this episode might've already come out by the time this interview comes out. I don't really know what the podcast schedule is going to look like right now. That's a task for future Chelsea to figure out. Uh, but I was recording an episode of how my self-care has changed. So it's kind of fun that we're talking about self-care, um, not staying a static thing. It's very dynamic. And I was like, oh, yeah. So when I first started thinking about self-care, I think I was sort of in college, but I really wasn't intentional about it at all. Like I knew that I needed to fuel my body with foods that were semi-decent. I exercised a lot, but that was also because I taught group fitness classes. And when you teach one or two group fitness classes a day, you're going to work out. Uh, And I just, I remember like trying to take breaks and, but my breaks were like watching TV. I just didn't have the mental capacity to do anything else. And so since you've worked in the university setting for, for a while, are you noticing that there's a shift in 
student well-being? Do you feel like it's something that's being talked about more? Yes. The, the, the generic answer is yes. There are absolutely more discussions around self-care, uh, mental health awareness, diversity, equity, and inclusion issues. Mm-hmm. Um, those conversations are becoming more and more prevalent in a, in a college setting in particular. And I think it's because it's what our students value, right? It's our students come in and they see inequity and they see their friends struggling and they, they, they just, they're more aware, but in a different way, they're more aware of the things around them. They're just not necessarily aware that they're a piece of that. So that, that self-awareness, there's general awareness, which they're almost hyper aware, which has pros and cons. Yeah. Uh, But, but then there's, self-awareness, which is like the, the stuff that comes from this hyper-awareness all the time. I mean, look at our politics, look at our economic system, look at what's mm-hmm. happening globally, look at what's happening in schools, uh, in the, the K through 12 system. And they have all of these stressors and anxieties that, that are placed on them. And, and then on top of that, like the expectation is by the time you turn 18, boom, you're an adult. Good luck. You should know what exactly you're doing with your entire yes, life. Yes. Pick your major, go to college, have fun. It's in the syllabus, but the students never seen a syllabus in their life. Um, <laughs> open the syllabus yes it's there I would rather <laughs> you just tell me the answer and that should be an easy thing right like a, a faculty member or a staff member just just to give the answer but we have this ingrained in us that we need to show the students we need to teach them and get them where they need to be sometimes they just want the answer and the students we're seeing particularly right now are are, are I don't want to say post-covid because, I mean, obviously, I think COVID's what? Have they officially declared an endemic? Like, it's like... You know, honestly, I don't know. I do, I do know that there's a lot of hospitals that are no longer requiring masks. Yeah. After three years of COVID feeling with, like it's I, just all I, over our lives, feels like a, some sort of progression into it being an endemic situation. Yeah. <laughs> at, at the risk of being told I'm not a medical professional, which I will very clearly state right now, I am not a medical professional. But I think, <laughs> I think the general consensus is COVID is now endemic. Yeah. So I'm going to say post-COVID uh, for the purposes of this. But our, our post-COVID students coming in, our post-COVID freshmen, Man, they're struggling. They they find it so difficult to interact with their peers. They find it so difficult to communicate. They they really missed out, I think, on a lot of really good development that they would have got there in high school where they would have been focusing on developing social relationships and they would have been focusing on developing their communication skills. And and the fact is they're like there's like a two-year lag in these students mm. uh, in, in a series of skills they would have just inherently developed in that phase of their, their kind of high school development, their, their adolescent development. And neuroscience tells us, right, that, that students, not students, people's brains mm-hmm. as a whole, everybody, not just students, it's everyone, our, our brains are still developing clear up to our mid-20s. Mm-hmm. So the expectation that an 18-year-old student has it all together, <laughs> I, you know, I think it's really unreasonable. They, I didn't know what I was doing at 18. I, Neither I, did I. Classes, I, I figured my stuff out, but that was me. And, and, you know, I didn't have a whole pandemic that I had to worry about then. So, you know, I really feel for them because it's tough. It's tough being a student who's coming in so underprepared, not necessarily academically, but socially and emotionally. And just in terms of being able to connect with the world, they really struggle with that. And so a lot of what we see in as learning professionals is students not having foundational knowledge and students lacking social emotional skills, executive functioning skills, um, and, and the ability to, to have that self-awareness around like, Hey, you're, you're putting yourself into a crisis mode over something that is really not worth putting yourself into crisis mode. But because everything was crisis mode for the last two years, that's their go-to, right? Like immediately, Oh my God, we all have to go home right now. Never come back. We don't (laughs) know when we'll be back. Um, we don't, we don't know if you can go to the store. We don't know if you can go to a restaurant. We don't know if you can do this. We don't know. We don't know anything. <laughs> we don't know if you're going to have toilet paper. Um, <laughs> all the toilet paper. Oh man. The bidet companies made bank on that, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they saw an opportunity and they went for it. They sure did. We were talking about, we were talking about zoom being opportunistic. And yes. That. It's, like, it's the same bidet companies made the same, the same kind of benefits off of that. But, um, yeah, so I, I think they they have a really long uphill battle because my life experience hasn't changed. I for me, it was like, oh, I guess we got a pandemic. I'm gonna go online for until they tell me not to. Yeah. And you know, I had 
developed and adapted to the point where I could do that. I still needed self-care, but these poor, these poor students coming up, they were just, it's almost like they were thrown to the wolves and you know, the expectation is when you get to college, it's status quo, but the status quo has changed. Well, that, and, and there's a few things I kind of want to dive into. I just think that like when you're going through something that was as emotionally, mentally, physically stressful as a global pandemic, and then you added political turmoil. Yeah, it was, it was traumatizing during a time of life when there's a lot of social development, there's just a lot of development going on. And so, yeah, that that's, and I actually was, I had another, have another interview on the podcast where we were talking about, um, it's with coach Lori Gray. And we talked about a lot of trauma, trauma-based things. Mm-hmm. And basically at the end of the conversation, we were like, okay, everybody's got some trauma they need to work through. Yeah. It's recognizing that, that what you experienced was trauma. And then how do you move forward from that with, with the adequate resources? And so if you're coming in traumatized, and then you were forced for however many years to primarily have your social interactions over technology. Because yeah. that's one thing. I've got some friends that have teenagers and they like, I know I grew up with social media starting to expand and like, I'm, I'm not, no, I'm, I am used to, I had a, I had a uh, 17 year old recently be like, do you, do you get the Snapchat hierarchies. And I was just like, I'm like, no, I don't get it. But I do understand the concept of ranking your friends because I had a MySpace page and we had to rank our friends ourselves. So I get it. Um, We just had a conversation about MySpace the other day (laughs) and it went something along the lines of like, MySpace was a thing and then it died. And then it just, it just disappeared. Vine was a thing and then it it just died. MySpace got gone. And so just hearing some of the other interactions that teenagers are having, like I had another friend t- tell me a story of how their, I think it was their daughter ran into somebody. Like she was like, I don't know what the teenage vernacular is anymore. They were like talking to, like flirting with all over like communications through a phone. I don't remember if it was Snapchat or text or whatever. It was probably Snapchat. The Gen Zers seem really into Snapchat. Oh yeah. I, I, I think it's fun to send pictures of my dogs, but that's about it. I don't communicate through it. And they ran into each other like on a college campus and they like couldn't have a conversation because it was like face to face. And one thing that I think is interesting from like my personal observations is I think millennials get kind of blamed a lot for, well, they're always on their phones. They're always doing this. And I'm like, no, we're not. I feel like millennials are actually the generation that's like, screw this stupid phone. I don't want it. Don't talk to me. And I feel like I see the generation before us and the generation after us. They're the ones that are like, I must look at this all the time. Like I'll go spend time with my mom and we'll be watching something. She's scrolling on her iPad the entire time. And mom, if you were listening to this, do not deny it. You do that all the time. (laughs) And I'm sitting there being like, I thought we were. So then of course I get bored. So I turn on my phone, I'm scrolling, but I'm the one that gets blamed for being on my phone. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, it makes me it makes me think of a meme I saw of <laughs> I don't know, somebody they it was during the pandemic and they were they were blaming millennials for the fact that the pandemic was going on because we were we were taking spring break. And I just I'm gonna throw this out there, uh, because I, I don't care about my age, it's whatever. I'm 36, right? So I'm I'm very firmly in the millennial. Mm-hmm the millennial phase with a little smattering of Gen X in there because my parents were a little older, but mm-hmm. um, somebody said on Facebook, I still use Facebook. It's my thing. I use um, Facebook too. But they, they said, you know, these millennials, if they would just quit going down to the beach during spring break, we could, we could get this pandemic over with. Uh, and, <laughs> and I remember somebody commented on this thing. They were like, yeah, no, like, Millennials are 35. We have kids, jobs, house. We, like, we got a mortgage if we can afford to buy a house, right? Like, we're not down there. Those are the gins. <laughs> like, that's not us. <laughs> I thought I saw that same meme as you started talking. I was like, I wonder if it's going to be this one. Because I had the same thought. I was just like, I can't, like, I'm not taking time off to go to spring break. Also, if I'm going to take a vacation, it sure as hell is not going to be at the same week. All those college students are somewhere. Right. Oh, like, thank you. And, and not to mention it was like on the beach. Ew. I, there's people there and they're not wearing clothes. I like the beach just isn't my jam. Give me a nice hike up in, in on the Pacific Northwest. Any day, yeah. but the beach is not my jam. And, and it was just so funny because it was so true. Right. It was, 
it was, it was somebody just kind of blaming the millennials for everything. And I'm kind of like, you know, we get blamed a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but so, so do the boomer generation. My parents That's are boomers true. and they get blamed for all of kind of, you know, millennials blame the boomers for everything. The boomers blame the millennials. millennials. That's fair. Thing. We're the boomers kids. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Right? Like those are our parents that were fine. It's just it's just the the parent child relationship. Yeah, we're just like we just we took it to a big generational scale. <laughs> oh I I know I'm so I'm a young millennial. And even though I like there's a lot of like speaking kind of personality things, a lot of things that categorize millennials, I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. All the yes. And then every once in a while there'll be something that'll be Gen Z and I'm like, sort of, kinda, maybe a little bit. Uh, and I, I think that that's also interesting too, of how like those generations can be, um, flexible. And one thing I know I've talked to some younger individuals about, heck, I do this to myself, but like, I have to set limits on my technology because I know like, and, and maybe it's cause I'm, I'm a little older. I understand the science behind why they have set up social media the way that they have to make it incredibly addicting for our brains. Oh, yeah. And so I like, I have a limit on my phone where I think it's either 30 minutes or an hour. I can't remember, but after I've spent that much time on certain social media apps, it's like, Nope. And can I put in my password and like override that? Yes. Yes, I can. Do I sometimes do that? Yes. I'll be watching a video and I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to, I want to watch, finish watching it. But at least it's kind of a little bit of a check of how long am I being on here? My phone is also almost always on do not disturb. It is almost impossible to get a hold of me. (laughs) 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 Actually, the only person that can get through my do not disturb is my husband because there was been a few incidences where he was like, I needed to get a hold of you and I couldn't because your stupid phone is on do not disturb. And I was like, okay, fair. This could be a safety issue. You probably do need to get a hold of me at times. Here we go. I'll, I'll, I'll make it so your number will go through. But other than that, like, I actually <laughs> just turned on my phone this morning and there was like three text messages from yesterday. I just didn't even see. Cause I just, I, I, I don't like being available all the time. That's kind of one of the boundaries that I've set. And so I know I try to encourage some younger people that I know to be like, Hey, put it away, put it away for a day. Oh, you can't do a day. Put it away for an hour. Something start breaking that habit because I, I mean, there is a lot of, at least in my knowledge, there's research showing that like just staying on that social media, staying like screen time is not good for our brains or our mental or emotional or physical health for long periods of time. So how can we like still stay connected? Because there's some great things about social media. Like I've met some great people through social media that I love talking to. I love that a lot of my friends are back in Colorado where I'm living in Kansas and I can stay in touch with them easily. Yeah. And most of my family's back there. So like technology and phones allow me to stay in touch. But I also like, you have to be very intentional about those boundaries that you're setting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't think any of my friends or family, I don't know about my friends. I don't think my family listens to podcasts much except for like murder casts. Um, which is fair. Those are like incredibly addicting. I, I love me a good murder cast. But, um, <laughs> shout out morbid. That's but, one thing I haven't gotten into. I just can't do it. But I also have a very overactive imagination. And so I'm like, no, I just, I'm, a yeah. I'm, a, I'm a little weenie when it comes to scary things. Yeah. Don't do murder no. casts if you're afraid of the dark or afraid to be alone in the house at night. Um, <laughs> but, but I, you know, there are times I don't, I don't like being on the phone at all. Like at all. The idea of I'm, I'm wearing a headset right now, but, and, and, and this is, this is a, oh, this is a lot for me. Um, I can't stand having a phone up against my ear. Like it's weird. It's super weird. I almost miss, we had a 1980s. It was a 1982 Brown, um, rotary phone. Mm -hmm. One of the wall rotary phones. Right. And if you had to call nine one one, you had to wait the longest (laughs) for that nine to go. Um, but I, I don't answer the phone a lot of times. Like the phone will ring and I'll be like, I'll just text them and see what they wanted. Oh my gosh. I do this. Too. <laughs> like I see, I was like, dad's calling. I'm just going to text him because I know that phone conversation's not going to go well. Um, or, hey, or it's, I a did, boundary. You know, it's a boundary. It's a boundary. 
Yeah, I get I get text messages sometimes. I'm like, that can wait. <laughs> oh my god, yes. I okay. Apparently, I'm gonna like if my friends are listening to this or if family listening to this, they're gonna know. I need you to. They're gonna like add this. I need you to respond to this like quickly because I don't, I go back and forth because I hate talking to people on the phone. Yeah. Because I just I don't know. I got other I got other shit to do. <laughs> like yeah. I just I don't know. Text me. But at the same time, I will also look at a text message and be like, well, that's not really important right now. So I'll respond to it later, which then turns into like five hours later. And I'm like, oh, I didn't. Oops, my bad. And so like if somebody were to be like, I actually can you actually please respond to this right away? I'd probably be like, "Okay, yeah. But I think that all that all again fits into that self-care discussion of, of like I've got 90 million things happening right now. And that's just another piece that I know is not on my hierarchy of things that are important to get done right this second. It's not there. It doesn't mean you don't love the people who are trying to contact you. Um, but maybe you don't, I don't know, but I mean, I have discussions with my friends. A lot of my friends are long distance friends and I have told them on multiple occasions that, and actually the friendships that have survived into my adulthood from high school or college, they are the friends that do not expect me to reach out to them on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, or even a monthly basis. Like we will chat about different things when it becomes relevant if we're thinking of something that reminds us of the other person, we'll reach out. Um, if I know I'm going to be in town, I will let them know. Mm-hmm. But it could be months between when we chat. Um, and and I just those are the friendships that I've been able to continue keeping because I just I don't have the energy to have to be like, oh, I have to text so and so today. Oh, yeah. I it's I have to, I'm going to call them on my way home because I like talking to my, I talk to my mom in the car. Cause that's a good time to make sure I just call my mom once, <laughs> at least once a week or so. But like, I don't generally. Well, and it's also it's, a, it's also a limited time, right? Like you're only going to yes. be in that car oh, for a certain now. amount of time. Oh no, bye. <laughs> but then I have another friend who is a lot more active in her long distance yeah. friendships. And so like, she's constantly calling people when she's driving around and I'm just like, no. Is, is this friend an extrovert? You know, she's more introverted, yeah. but I think like, that's just, that's how she likes to connect with, with people that are, yeah. are farther away from her. Like that's, or, that's her time to do it. Yeah. And so that's how she likes to do it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I will go like six months without talking to one of my friends and be like, Hey, what's up? You doing okay? Just thought about you. Yeah. And those, like, if I actually had a couple friends like from high school to college that they were like, well, we just don't talk anymore. And I'm like, I'm freaking busy. Like, aren't you busy? And that's when I was like, okay, if anybody really desires that level of communication. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the expectation to always be like communication mode is on with so many things happening. Like the world's just gotten more complex. And so the, the expectation to constantly be on and available for communication at any given time, I think is unreasonable. It's, it's hard. We're talking about all kinds of things so far today, but like the yep. generations find it really dip, like, you know, my dad is like, well, why don't you just call? And I'm going, because that's great. Yeah. Like I don't want to talk to you on the phone. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to talk to anybody on the phone. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, it's, I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay. I think it's okay to just be like, I will get to that when I get to that. And, and, you know, real friends, good family they understand you as a person enough to be like eh. and we'll get back in touch when she needs to um, exactly and and my my the people close to me know that if it's an immediate response is needed they say immediately call right now yeah. um and i'm okay not, not in two hours like right <laughs> now yeah, right now talk to you now yeah 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 one one thing that has actually helped me it's a way that I practice my own self-care, but it's actually allowed me to connect with more of my friends is I'm a big reader and I've been using the Goodreads app to track oh, yeah. the books that I read, see how, how I'm doing on my reading goal. Cause I'm an achiever who has to make her self-care into a goal somehow. And, uh, recently, and I don't know if it's just because like I became aware that a lot of my friends are reading, I just didn't know it before, but all of a sudden I was like, Oh my gosh, like a lot of my very best friends are reading a bunch too. And then they were like, we've become friends on the Goodread app. And so now like even though we're not always talking, I'm seeing what they're reading, what they've added to their reading list. And sometimes if we're like, oh, we're both like have the same book that we want to read or, oh, I read that book. Like it was, I really liked it. Like, let me know what you think of it. 
and like it's been a fun way that we've been able to connect um even though it's it was something we, we were all already doing before and so that's where I think social media can be really cool because without like Goodreads I guess is in that way is kind of a social media aspect to it um I think that stuff is fun and I think you just have to figure out what what those boundaries around technology and social media and interacting with people and being available means to you which goes back to self-awareness and boundaries self-awareness and boundaries yes which is all important to self-care yes yeah it yeah I don't know you said snapchat my students is that what is that what they're are they using snapchat TikTok no they're like snapchat sucks we want tiktok I refuse to get on tiktok I refuse when they came out with it I was just like I can't I have Facebook and I have Instagram and I do have Snapchat that I talk to three people on. Mm. I can't do anything else. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I know just enough about, about TikTok to be dangerous. Um, <laughs> and maybe not in a good way, but it's, it's one of those things where I think that is part of their self care. The, yeah. the social media has now become like a component of their self care. Those, those moments where all they do is they lay there and they watch TikToks. Now, can that very easily go into avoidance behaviors? Yeah, very, particularly for students who procrastinate and don't want to do their homework. So, you know, I like what you say about setting boundaries around social media usage because you, you have this thing that both gives you that immediate dopamine hit in the brain. Yeah, it <laughs> like, does. I love, I love cat videos and I love dance videos and they're best when they're cats dancing. <laughs> um, I have gone down many rabbit holes. Yes, of, and that um, makes me happy. videos on since I don't do TikTok I see whatever gets pushed to Instagram or Facebook for those oh, yeah, videos yeah. the reels, the reels, the reels yeah. that's what I see that's yeah. and I, I've spent hours <laughs> and sometimes it is really nice like if I've had a really long day just to go in and not have to mm. use my brain for 20 or 30 minutes it just for me I know that if like I'm gonna do that for hours at a time that time to potentially recharge could be spent better reading a book or going the F to sleep at a decent hour. Uh, And so it's finding that, I don't know, sometimes I think like our self-care even needs boundaries of, okay, what's, what's too much of something? Like I love to read, but if I spend the entire weekend reading, my body doesn't feel good because I've been curled up in a ball for two days and I need to stretch. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes we get so wound up in it that we forget that our body is a physical thing that Mm -hmm. needs exercise and food and sleep and Mm -hmm. and of these physical needs that need to be that that's part of self-care as well mm-hmm. is getting enough sleep and making sure that you are taking care of your body's needs um you know eating good food getting lots of hydration all of that is is part of it as well but again when you're a student and you're overwhelmed and you're yeah you're doing the best you or, can to or you're an adult water. who's just overwhelmed because we were never yes. taught proper coping mechanisms yeah ever we've had to figure it out on our own <laughs> what's a coping mechanism um isn't it disassociating and scrolling through tiktok videos isn't that a coping mechanism i'd be lying if i said i didn't have like an hour-long facebook reel deep dive into (laughs) trimming cow's hooves the other day um you learned a new fascinating who knew you learned something new yeah using your brain uh, but yeah, I mean, like in doing that, I didn't go to bed until midnight. So, <laughs> you know, we're not perfect. <laughs> no, no, we, we're not we, talk, we can talk the talk, but walking the walks a little bit harder. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's also important. That's that self-awareness is recognizing when you're not doing the things, you know, you should be doing and figuring out how to get yourself back on track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. I think if we were to summarize this entire conversation, it would be that, Self-care is very dynamic and it changes. And sometimes I think the best thing that you can do for yourself is to go through a deep dive into cow hooves for an hour. Even <laughs> if you lose, yes, yeah, trimming cow hooves. Even if you're going to lose an hour or two of sleep, that might've been the best thing to just allow your brain to not have to think about anything yeah. serious. I think having those moments where we're just like, yeah, like I know this habit would be good. Like I know for me, I am a like 10 and 11 o'clock is my bedtime. Like I, mm-hmm. I am, I am, I need sleep. I am an eight hour sleep girl. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. I yeah. need to sleep. That doesn't mean that there aren't times that I'm to say, screw it. I'm going to stay up until midnight. I'm going to stay up later because maybe I'm watching a movie. Maybe I'm spending time with friends and I'm like, you know what? For today, this is, this is worth it. 
I'm yeah. going to stay up and I'm okay. Or I really want to finish this book because I'm really into it. And I'm not going to be able to sleep anyway. So I'm going to stay up late and, and read it, even though I know I'm not going to use much sleep tomorrow. Sometimes I think making those decisions that are not always 100% perfect yeah. is okay. As long as we overall grand scheme of things are doing those things that support us and feeling our best. Yeah. I agree with that. So as we wrap up, Kim, is there anything else you want to leave with our lovely listeners about any self-care thoughts? If you've never tried a sensory deprivation tank, I would highly recommend it. Ooh, I want to try one. Yeah. That sounds fun. That was what I got for my birthday. What? Cool. A couple of floats and a massage for a sensory deprivation tank. It's not for everybody. Look, it's 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 my thing. It it's it's very trippy. It's a very weird experience. But if you ever get a chance to try it, I recommend trying it at least once because it's a really great way to just lose yourself for a while. Yeah. And I, I think that it's always good to approach things of I'm gonna try something once. If you decide yeah. you don't like it, that is okay. But you also never know when you're gonna try something that you're maybe hesitant about that you're like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. I, so there's that, like, like try something new, try something that you're not sure about, but I think it's okay to fall off your self-care bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I think it's the other thing. It's, it's okay to fall off and then get back on. Yeah. As we were talking, it, you, nobody's perfect. And the expectation shouldn't be that we're going to do it right a hundred percent of the time. And I, I think that's normal. I think it's, we have phases in our lives where we we were doing really well. And then we have phases where we're not doing so well. And those are the good times to ask for help. Those are the good mm-hmm. times to, you know, if you have a therapist, go see your therapist. If you um, have stopped working out, try to get back onto a new workout regimen. You don't have to start with hit exercises, right? Just go for a walk, go outside, get some sunshine. Walks are good. Walks are really yeah. good. Yeah. Good for the soul. Go for a hike, you know, um, just do something. I think, it's always good to be doing something, even if it's not necessarily like the things you've done in the past. I like that. Yeah. I like that. That's some really great advice to, to I think, end today's chat about self-care on. I really enjoyed this chat. I think it was really great to talk about how self-care can change, how it looks different, how to start that self-awareness process. And I just, I really appreciate you sharing your self-care experience and your perspectives with us today, Kim. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mindful Self-Care Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to podcasts. You can also send this episode to a friend who you think would benefit from the information. It's a great way to help us grow and help us reach more people. If you want to connect with other like-minded self-care focused individuals, you can follow us on Instagram at the mindful self-care, or you can join the mindful self-care society. It's a great place to connect with others, gain some additional resources, and really help make sure that self-care is a focus in your life. So you can always feel your best. Thank you again for listening. I can't wait to be back in your ears soon.